Hey, podcast listener. Do you love talking about movies, music, TV, comics, and games? Then you should be listening to The Great Pop Culture Debate, back in bigger than ever for Season 9. This season, the panelists discuss the best James Bond film, the best Elton John single, the best Nickelodeon original series, the best Batman villain, and so much more. Find the show wherever you listen to podcasts or head to greatpopculturedebate.com. More than 100 topics are already available. Subscribe today. Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe, and each week I'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss all things fandom and pop culture, primarily from a female perspective. You'll find everything from fanfic, to cosplay, to Schitt's Creek, to Supernatural, and everything in between. So put on your favorite piece of fandom merch, set aside that fanfic that you're writing about your OTP, and sit back and enjoy this week's episode. Hello and welcome to the fandom thing. We are continuing our celebration of Pride. Actually, this is going to be our last episode for Pride Month. So for our very last episode celebrating Pride Month, we are going to be talking about RuPaul's Drag Race. As I said, I'm very disappointed in myself that I didn't think better about trying to schedule because I was trying to get local drag queens, not only to interview them, but to be on this episode, but it just didn't work out because I scheduled everything closer to the actual Pride weekend here in Colorado and everybody is like, there's just no availability, (laughs) which makes sense. So next year, maybe I'll do it again or later this year, probably won't be later this year, but some point we will have people on. I wanted to be able to do that, but this should still be a lot of fun. I am very new to this show. I've known of this show, but I, this is my first time watching it was preparing for this. I've only watched a few seasons, so I'm going to depend on my two amazing panelists to really fill in a lot of the blanks there, but this should be a lot of fun. I thought this was also a great way to sort of wrap up the month on a more positive note I mean, I know people have issues with this show. I know people have issues with RuPaul, but it's still more positive than the way we started with Moonlight and Brokeback Mountain. That was a very heavy start, so I wanted to have kind of a lighter end. Okay, so I'm going to have my panelists introduce themselves and tell me their one tell me their one thing. Tell me one thing they're into right now in pop culture. Megan. Hi, I'm Megan. Um pop culture right now um i'm just excited concerts are back for the most part um it's stick with pride month uh bianca del rio is coming to denver so i did buy my tickets for that and i'm very excited to see her because she is one of my favorite drag queens um not today satan is just it's a slogan um otherwise (laughs) i'm just very excited about music lately i feel like there's been a lot of good music coming out uh i do like saint vincent's new album She's also coming to Denver, so super excited to see her because she is just very different from most artists, so very excited to see what she does in her show. <laughs> awesome. Yay. Love getting music recommendations on the show. Awesome. And Susie? Well, hello. Tis I. Tis Susie. I have returned from, from my cavern. No one in the audience can see, but I have a lovely pride flag right she behind does. me. It's really awesome. And her makeup is awesome today, too. Seasons gatings. I don't know. I try to do seasons greetings, but, y- you know, y- <laughs> y'all got the gist. Um, something that I have watched recently that is one of my most beloved films is, 
okay, it's it's a mouthful. Chu Wang Fu, thanks for everything. Julie Numar. Yes, it is just one of the most like just fun like drag movies that that, that just as as is there for you to enjoy. And if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. It's so much fun. Um, it features uh, John Guzamo and uh, Patrick Suaze. <laughs> apparently, his name in Spanish is pronounced Suaze. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. That's we my watched, new favorite thing. We That's watched Point awesome. Break the other day, and they were, like, announcing, like, all the different, like, actors. They're like, Keanu Reeves, and then Patrick Suaze. <laughs> just so good um and also wesley snipes as road tripping drag queens i mean what is better than that you know it's just yeah. it's really good it's also a really quotable movie as well i find myself saying a lot hey mommy don't quote me but i think this one is decent. like it just slips out i don't know it doesn't even have to fit into the conversation that i'm having it just it comes just out, out. <laughs> yeah it just it's a fun yeah. word to say deceased <laughs> I am watching the television show Love, Victor on Hulu, which is considered sort of a sequel to Love, Simon. He does write Simon in these in the show. And I'm just really enjoying it. It was recommended to me. And I like the movie Love, Simon. So I think this is a pretty good show so far. I like the cast. So it's, it's, it's an interesting one. I, I recommend it. Okay, so let's get into RuPaul's Drag Race. And <laughs> I love my panelists when they get really excited. That always makes it so much better. I'm okay. thinking the same song in my head. RuPaul's Drag Oh, my gosh. I have to say. Okay, I have to say. that that That's the thing I don't like about Hulu. Okay, Hulu, if you're listening, I really want the option to skip intros because no offense to RuPaul, but this intro drove me nuts because I would get it stuck in my head and I'd be sitting there doing something else that I kept hearing it over and over again. Ru, RuPaul's Drag Race. And I'm like, oh my gosh, get out of my head. See, I have that problem with Cover Girl when they do their walks and everything. That one, oh, yes, that it'll stay too. in my head yeah, for an eternity. I'll go into work mm-hmm. and suddenly it just pops up and like I'm conducting interviews and I'm like, like, <laughs> Not professional at all. Like what? And I'm like, oh, nothing. (laughs) Yes. So I will say, I I like the show. I mean, I I mean, I I'm not as well versed in it, but the theme song, I really want an option to skip it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It just gets old after the first two times. So. Yeah. Okay. Like, the day. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, well, you don't have an option to skip. It definitely like burrows its way in there. Oh yeah, I just and and how can you not have an option to skip nowadays? I mean, come on, Hulu. Okay, okay. So I wanna know, Megan, first, what are some of your favorite moments or favorite queens? So I learned to do makeup from Miss Fame. I went to one of her classes, so she'll forever hold a special place in my heart. Um, I even have photos with her, and it was it was just very fantastic. I met her sister and just everyone, her family, and also uh, just his general love for chickens. 
And I also have a mutual love for chickens. <laughs> we got to talk about chickens for the longest time. But yeah, uh, Miss Fame is definitely one of my favorite all-time uh, queens. I know that she's just kind of a looks queen, but she has a special place in my heart. And I love that she works with, Miss J uh, with Mark Jacobs. I think that was a grand move. I know she is one of the first drag queens to really kind of go into high like fashion and couture like that. Um, I think one of my, well, Bianca Del Rio is obviously like my favorite comedy queen, hands down. But um, like, I really like All Stars because they're bringing a lot of these old queens back. So I'm really excited for this upcoming season because they're bringing some of my favorites back. And I'm just like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm just, I'm very excited, but um, like, I also love Vivi. I love Latrice. Like there's just, there's classics in there just because these people are just very outgoing and outspoken. And I think that's why I like drag queens as a whole. It's because they're just very outspoken and it helps me to feel like I can also be outspoken. And I'm like, yeah, I really do like this. Uh, but the queens overall, I think they're all pretty great. I'm more into like talented queens, like, comedy or if they have like a weird thing they can do. I like those ones a little bit better than the looks queens. Um, but I also have a, whole, a special place in my heart for Trixie Mattel because I too am like very plain and boring, but you know, we love a Barbie moment. <laughs> You're not plain and boring. <laughs> I object to that. Lies and fairy tales. Who told you that? I object to that description there, Megan. <laughs> and Susie. Yeah, I just want to warn the audience that I'm probably going to quote a lot of <laughs> sayings from Drag Race. So just, I'm sorry, but not sorry. So let's take it. Um, well, one of my most favorite queens is Bianca Del Rio. Miss Bianca Del Rio. Because, and excuse my language, she's such a cunt. She is such a bitch. Like, she's that aunt, you know, that's, like, real mean, but, she, like, she's ride or die. So, like, she'll come for you, but she'll also, like, here, let me help you. Let's let's see. Let's, let's fix your life. Fix your choices. Let's see what's going on here and see if we can make it better. She's like that, and I love her for it. I'm like, yes, because we all, we all know, like, especially if you are, are Latinx yourself, you know an aunt like that. <laughs> you have a, or like, it doesn't even have to be an aunt, cousin. So you have someone in your family that's like that. And you're just like, yes, I'm fine. Let's get it. Um, also really enjoy um, Katja, Katja Samadilchikova. <laughs> I think that's the only time I've ever said her name right. You did it perfectly. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> From season seven, the bisexual transvestite hooker. <laughs> and she's just so like weird and just like crazy and she, but she's also like she has such a strength and it's like it's beautiful and amazing and it's just like oh my god i love you i love you so much i just want to i want to give you a big hug just come here let's let's go do weird stuff together yay <laughs> miss latrice royale Again, also in a complete icon, like one of, I think one of our most popular sayings from season four is like, if anyone tells you that you're not fabulous, you just get up, look sickening and make them eat it. And I'm like, yes, 
that is the energy that I want to take with me everywhere. Cause yes, it's just, it's, it's, it's just wonderful. And like, those are the, like, these are the Queens that come to mind as of now, which is, oh, they're just fabulous. I think I'm probably either going to like mention more somewhere through the, the talk of today's podcast. But as of now, those are my, like, I love these, these performers. They're, they're fabulous. Well, I'll just, I mean, I'll just name one that wasn't mentioned just, and the reason I like this one is it, it, it's just because I think the impressions are the best, like any, um, and that's Pandora's Pandora box. I think the impressions that she does are just incredible and just absolutely amazing and so spot on. And that's why I'm just giving her a shout out because I, I know there was one part where they did like a, um, like a game show and she was doing all different. She was doing Carol Channing and just the way that was done was so incredible and just so spot on. So yeah, so I'm just going to give a, a shout out to uh, to Pandora Box. So yeah, I don't know. She will be in All Star Season Six if you want to see more. Oh of really? Her again. Yeah, like yeah. <laughs> she's some more of those raspberries. I can't say it. I can't do that. Like. <laughs> Well, this show has been around for quite a long time, has had spinoffs, has spinoffs in other countries, everything like that. And so this has definitely had an impact on mainstream media and the way that drag queens are viewed now. So I want to talk about that a little bit about how the show uh, affected that and how it affected the way people saw drag queens or see drag queens nowadays, too. What do you think about that, Megan? Um, I definitely feel like RuPaul definitely put drag queens on the map as mainstream kind of popular things. Like there are things that I grew up with. So I grew up in a community where um, it was very LGBTQ friendly and stuff like that. But then there were also individuals who would do drag and things like that, but it wasn't super well known. And I remember like I was six and like one of my mom's friends, like he was doing his makeup and getting in drag and like I was just asking all kinds of questions about it just because it was super interesting and cool. But like he was still kind of hesitant just because like, you know, it wasn't like a well known thing back then. And people were just very like, oh, well, that's wrong or this isn't OK. So I feel like with RuPaul's show, it was a lot allowing people to come forward and be like, hey, I do this really cool thing. I know how to sew. I know how to turn out looks. I know how to dance. I know how to lip sync. I know how to do all these numbers and I can do all these multiple things and be a true entertainer. And it's a real profession. And like, there's so many drag queens like here in Denver um, that really make a lot of uh, money from this kind of experience, but also bring a lot of joy to people. Uh, one that comes into mind is the one who uh, she sells pies and makes pies. Pie queen. Yes. So she makes pies and she'll like come and she'll like sing to you and like bring these pies and lives like this whole little show with it. And she's just so much fun. And that's all I've ever really wanted for the drag community is to feel accepted and loved because they're, they're bringing us love. And I do think RuPaul definitely brought, bring, um, sorry, RuPaul definitely brought that forth with this show. However, um, like it does have its problems. Like it only seems like, there's a certain type of queen that uh, some of the judges prefer, for example. Um, 
and then they look down on other queens maybe because they don't have as much money or like they're not like super expensive dressed and don't get me wrong like that's cool like i like seeing them if they're able to turn out looks like that but i also respect the queens that don't always have that money but they're really good entertainers too and um it, it's a growth thing and i also think it's a societal thing of like we need to kind of check ourselves and remind ourselves that you know this is in a community of entertainers there are a variety of them and we shouldn't have to base it on one type of queen it should be all queens and susie so growing up i i i watched like i i saw movies with like drag queens in them like priscilla and Tuwafu and Kanye Carlin and such. And to me, they were, I never, they were always presented to me in like a no judgment sort of like area. So I always saw it as something like really normal and cool that like, like how these people, how these performers are able to take like their, their, like their main face, let's say, and kind of like either through a process of like play doing and like, a ditto transformation <laughs> Pokemon evolution. They were, they come up with this fabulous drag persona. And it's just like, oh my God, that is amazing. And the confidence that they carry with their personas is really fabulous to look at too, because it also kind of like inspires something within you to like, I, I want, even if it's just a piece of that, like I, like I want some of it. And um, in high school, a friend of mine told me, she said, oh, there's this show where it's just a bunch of drag queens competing. And I said, wait a second. Because up until that point, I was always, I, I only had like, like those three movies and such. And they were just like my fun little thing. And I was like, there's more content. <laughs> and I went after it and I saw it and just like seeing, especially like within like those early days, like how the show has like grown and evolved and how all these queens have grown and evolved and how everything has just been gradually been pushed like to the mainstream more and more. And now there's like, you get like a bit more like drag queens and other forms of media and such. And it's just like this in a way was kind of unheard of before. Cause before it was only like campy kind of like uh, almost unknown films or not ones that really reached like a larger audience but now that this is like out there this is like it's now that it's a little more mainstream it's able to reach like so many more people and maybe even like help other like little kids realize and learn things about themselves and they can then look up to these drag performers and be like if this person has a, has been able to rise from these from these certain set of circumstances or if they have a familiar background to me then they can use that as kind of like a point of inspiration to if they can why can't I and it's just like it's there is like so much criticism as well that that can be that can be said about RuPaul's Drag Race and I feel like that should be acknowledged and talked about so that then we can then that criticism can then be acknowledged and understood and kind of like taken in so that it can then be like incorporated into the community, into the show so that it can grow and be more accessible to people. And I feel like that would be amazing. But just the fact that this show has gone from like being filmed in the basement of WoW Presents to like having like this big studio and, and being like shown in other countries and in other languages. I mean, that is just, 
amazing. And it's also, it also brings other like queens into the spotlight as well and showcases their talents. And I think that's just, I think that's really cool as well. Like I've said, it's very important for people to be able to see themselves in a positive light. Everybody deserves to see themselves in a positive light. And I think that this show helped to some extent to, um, and I, and I hate using this word because I, it makes it sound like it needed this, but to some people, to, um, I guess more of the straight world is how I'll put it. It gave some legitimacy to drag queens. Um, I think drag queens for a long time, and even within the LGBTQIA plus community, drag queens are sometimes looked down upon. So it's not just a problem within the straight world. It's also a problem in, in, in with acceptance all over. Um, it's the same thing that you will find with um, bisexuals and you'll find it with with um, trans men and women that you will also find within the LGBTQIA plus community. You'll also find some discrimination there, too. So I think it's important to also mention that. And I think this show did help to sort of bring it um, and, you know, this kind of helps with this is that it used to be filmed in a basement and then bringing it up from a basement and out into uh, more of the mainstream so that it is accepted more. I don't live with rose colored glasses and think that this necessarily made it a hundred percent better. And everybody is like, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm totally fine and accept everybody and accept all drag Queens. And, and um, I do think the one thing I can see when watching this is because I kept saying this is I'm like, everybody are such bitches. Every single person, pretty much. It's a complete and total bitch. And I, and I, and I understand it to an extent. It was just so funny watching because I'm like, yep, every single person on here is like a total catty bitch. And I, I get it. But I think, um, you know, it's interesting because I wonder at all if there was ever a downside to that i'm not saying at all people shouldn't be bitchy or that anybody should change who they are that's not what i'm saying at all i just wondered when i watched it i was like i wonder if that ever gave certain people who don't accept drag any kind of ammunition to be like okay well of course i don't because they're all bitchy and catty were you gonna ask something about that susie oh no i was just gonna oh. say that yeah that's right and then that also like the way that um, the production portrays certain queens that also affects their own standing within the community because then they just get viewed as like difficult or as like catty bitches when that's not like a hundred percent of who they are, but that's how they are made to seem through TV. As well. Yeah. Yeah. And also, you know, you do notice, I mean, I know by season three, they started to try and be a little bit more accepting, but you notice also there is an issue with, and this is just an issue with all media where most people would be of a certain size or shape. And that's, that's another thing you really notice. And if they weren't of a certain size or shape, they would be eliminated quickly. It seemed like, and then the other Queens were very judgmental. So, and I, and I think that's just pervasive in society in general. That's not a thing, just a problem here. That's a problem in general. If you don't fit a certain stereotype. And I know, Megan, you kind of mentioned that a little bit too with like class where it's like, if you can't afford the really expensive stuff versus if you can, or, you know, and, and some of the judges, some of their decisions or some of the comments they would make, 
you know, I mean, watching the the reunions, like starting with season one, and people would, were hurt by some of what the comments the judges said, and RuPaul was basically like, "Well, this is just this the way it is." <laughs> I don't see you walking children in nature. Oh yes, that <laughs> I love it. That was so like, you both call me losers, and I'm not a loser. Well, no, Tammy, it's just like, I don't see you walking children in nature. I'm like, yes, Tammy, you tell them. It was just so great because I've never heard anyone say, I mean, they're just children in nature. It was just that image, too. Just like... I don't know. Maybe it's like, I, I still don't get it, but I think it's like a Girl Scout reference. I don't know. I was assuming it was like volunteering or like maybe big brother, big sister. I don't know. Now we're just going in. Now we're like, let's figure out the meaning behind this phrase. I just thought it was just so interesting because you don't really hear. I mean, I mean, the phrases that come out of that show are just like, oh my god. Yeah, yeah, they're pretty. They're pretty out there sometimes. Hallelujah, <laughs> for sure. Um, but yeah, but but I I think overall, I think the impact this show has had is pretty profound as far as more general acceptance. I don't think like, like Susie, I actually, you know, I remember watching Tu Wong Fu and then the movie that I think is far superior is Priscilla Queen of the Desert. I actually think that's a lot better, honestly. I mean, I like Tu Wong Fu, but I remember those came out around the same time. And I remember a lot of people were, actually weren't fans of Chi Wong Fu. That's the thing that people don't remember is that was actually the one that wasn't, I mean, I, I enjoy it. I'm not saying I don't enjoy it, but I think Priscilla is a little bit better. <laughs> I mean, you have a cock and a frock on a rock. How can you not enjoy it? <laughs> Plus Guy Pierce, And I just, I love Guy Pierce, but I, I think that's a great, I, I love that movie. I mean, it's great. And it was like, it it won the Oscar for best costume design, and it was like the only movie to have won that Oscar up until like modern movie to have won that Oscar up until Black Panther, because everything else after that was a period piece, and you're just like, oh, yeah. no one could top Priscilla yeah. unless it was Chadwick Boseman. Yeah, yeah. Well, but I do think I think it it, and then of course you also had the Birdcage. I also want to mention the Birdcage because you also had the Birdcage, which was also pretty important around that time too but even though you had those it still wasn't a thing that was as accepted i do remember being in la in like 2002 2002 uh i was out there for project green light which i've mentioned on here before i remember going out there and going to drag bingo out there and a couple of people there were from San Francisco and they're like, this is not drag bingo. This is the tamest thing I've ever seen. Someday you'll have to go to San Francisco. And I never did, but that was before this show was on. So you still had that and you still had some fun, but it always seemed like kind of this niche thing that it wasn't mainstream really still, even though you had those movies, even though you had events that you could go to. But I think because of this, I don't know if you would have had, say, for instance, in the movie A Star is Born, the latest A Star is Born, the one that I adore with my heart, my whole heart. I don't know if you would have had drag queens featured in such a way in that movie where they weren't judged and where even though there was comedy from the queens, it wasn't comedy poking fun at the queens. 
and they weren't the butt of the joke. And I, I mean, I'm sure part of that is also Lady Gaga, but I think another part of it is that, you know, I think it is a direct reflection of having a show like this be so popular and be in the mainstream. And I don't know if any of those, I don't know if anyone knows for sure. I guess I should have researched if any of the queens on there were ever on. Uh, yeah. Shangela was so, on there. Shangela was on season two, three, <laughs> All Stars. Oh, yeah, Shangela was, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I think it was the second because was they hit me by. No, no, no. It was the one that Trixie Mattel won. So it was the third one. Yeah, third. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, third. Yeah. It was Chad, and then it was um, Alaska, and then it was Trixie. Because the first everyone, season of All Stars, they had them team up, which was it was so bad. Um, I think that was their way of trying to combat that cattiness yeah. you were talking about. Um, yeah. It didn't work. It did not <laughs> work. And that's when they changed the focus of the show of being less catty and into more of a competition mindset, but like in teams. So they did more of those kind of things later on, uh, which is uh, de- definitely refreshing, especially when you have two controversial ke- uh, queens going like against each other constantly. Yeah. It's one of those things where it's like, oh, okay, like there's just something different. But touching back on your point about uh, like the classism and stuff like that, uh, in season 10, actually, there was this queen who got a lot of backlash from RuPaul himself because... Uh, she called out the racism. She's like, you know, like these queens are sh- shoving attitude too, like, and they were white, but you constantly come at me for it and say I'm very aggressive about it just because I look a certain way about it. And uh, don't get me wrong, um, yeah. her name's the Vixen. Yeah. Uh, she uh, kind of has yeah. a. Go ahead. Yeah, she was saying that. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> but she was saying, um, like, one of her big arguments was that uh, essentially one of the queens was. Um, like goading her into getting a reaction and mm. and she said oh well I knew that when you like apologized to me it wasn't a real apology and she said everyone's telling me how to react but no one's telling her how to act nope. and like that and like that is a thing and then she even got into it with one of the other queens early on in the season when she's like the fact that you're crying makes it seem like I'm the angry black woman who scared off the little white girl mm-hmm and Asia in the reunion episode came to defend the Vixen and RuPaul even then got a little bit bitter about it. And I think that's why a lot of people kind of like shifted gears with RuPaul just because it was like, you should have stepped in at that point as a host of the show and been like, Hey, we need to, do, we need to interve- do an intervention uh, or something, especially with um, Untucked. Cause I feel like that's where the cattiness really comes out. I don't know if you've actually watched that side of it, Aaron, yeah. but mm-hmm. It, it gets very aggressive, very rude. It, it all everything comes out. It was very Jersey Shore kind of the hills kind of mentality there. Um, <laughs> it works, but at the same time, you could see how it ruins kind of the egos or like the self esteem of some of these younger queens, especially. And it's not fair to them. So I've always wondered if the producers ever thought of like kind of doing like an intervention or like even doing like a spinoff show that's more of like them working together to help a community or like something like that, you know, like to build up like a drag community in like a certain city. Like I could totally see them doing that and flourishing. I would watch I mean, that, but that's there is <laughs> There is something like that with, I think, um, Bob shangela and i think moni cart but i'm not 100 sure didn't they just where start they that go, show where they went to like different uh communities and like dragged them up and like 
zest zhuzhed up the place to like give it a little bit more life, a little bit more, a little more zhuzhing essentially. But yeah, kind of like that. But yeah, like with the whole classism thing, like it's been something that's like been prevalent, like in the show, like a lot. I know in season eight, um, one of the queens, uh, like the judges were critiquing one of the queens because they said, hey, your what's up with your looks because this is really basic and it's not really up to par with everyone else and she's told the judges i don't have all these fancy clothes that everyone else has like everything that i'm making i'm making on a budget or whatever stuff you guys give me and one of the one of the judges uh, michelle said that's not an excuse because you have so many people that you could talk to and like ask for help from and like granted she can but also it's a competition like they're only like their help can only go so much, you know? And even then in like season 10 as well, like a couple of the Queens had this conversation where one of them um, in untucked said, I spend more on this competition than I did on the down payment on my house. And another drag queen said, yeah, I spend more coming here than I ever did in like paying and trying to pay off my, my, my student debt. And that's also really big. Alaska Thunderfuck had a similar situation yeah. um, in All Stars when she came back because she didn't win her season, but everyone just assumed it was going to happen. She had like a mental breakdown during one of the last final episodes. And people are like, if that kicks her off the stand, then that's stupid because like this whole show, she's been very consistent, but she just kind of lost it at the end because the pressure gets to you after a while. But she was almost at one point kind of like suggesting the idea, especially during Untucked, of like paying off people to lose yeah. and like, stuff I like that. You with the, with the money if you won. If you let me stay. Was, yeah. And she was all like, oh, like I, I have like all this like money I have to make up for and stuff because she was spending a lot of money on costumes too, even yeah. though like she was kind of known as the thrifty queen, but she had to step up her looks because that was something Michelle Visage always does. It's like, oh, you need to step it up. You need to do more and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I get it, but yeah, where's and the balance? Like, yeah, but also it's like, some of these queens aren't necessarily going to be good at like turning out looks. Some of them, their strengths come from their performances. And something that I think is really like that can really critique about the show is that they, like, unless you come in with like a full wardrobe, with like work from a certain designer, all these different designers that you've contacted with, I don't think it's going to get you very far. And that's, and that's kind of sad because, like. The show initially, like the especially the first three seasons, was the queens being like thrifty and making like even if they weren't like the best looks, they were still something really unique and special. And now it's more like, okay, you have a mermaid runway, could put on a mermaid tail. Like, when are they ever going to use that again? When are they ever going to put on a mermaid tail stage? (laughs) Or when they have them like. Or they'll even like once in a while do like, oh, we're gonna do a ball, so you have to make a look. And it's like, well, let's have more, more of those creative uh, challenges, like making things, or let's do like a few more acting challenges and not have it like hinge all on the look. That because the truth is, some think- queens have a more economic dis- advantage than others, and I think that's kind of like. Like let's let's just go into the classism thing. 
know. I think that's why we see more um, Broadway queens now. Like they come straight from New York and they were on Broadway for some time, things like that. Um, Because a lot of them know these designers and they can get a discounted rate with them. So we see a lot more happening now. Mm -hmm, That's Mm -hmm. another popular one. Um, I kind of miss the Midwest queens. I'm not going to lie. So like whenever like Kansas has a few good ones. Uh, Missouri definitely has a few that I like. Um, I, I do miss seeing that. And I kind of hope they kind of bring that element back of like, I know it seems kind of cliche of like the American dream of like, you know, like someone kind of being able to build it up. But that's kind of like what I like to see too, is the talent and like even the build, the ability to create something in however many hours that they have to do it. Um, but they do, I know that like some queens, they just don't know how to sew very well. And that's kind of why they stepped back on those challenges a little bit, just because they, just, they kind of fail there for whatever reason. You could, and I understand. Just sewing is, sewing, sewing is, is so hard. But also, <laughs> like, like one drag queen um, in season six, Benda La Creme, she like won her, like her yeah. first outfit. She was like, I made this with hot glue and desperation. Like, yeah, girl, get it. Mm. Do whatever you need to do. You need to staple that dress together, do it. You need to hot glue it, do it. Just stick it on you and go. I have to say, it's great because both of you have sort of just taken over and it's awesome. No, 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 no. I mean that in a good way because I'm sitting, I'm just like, oh, this is so cool. I'm learning all of this stuff. Uh, Yeah, no, thank you for doing that. I'm not saying that as a bad thing. I'm saying that as an awesome thing. I'm like, oh, that's so cool. It's it's the Susie and Megan show. (laughs) No, that's what I wanted. I'm not saying it as a bad thing at all, because you both know much more about this than I do, even with watching and researching it. Uh, But I want to know, just because it's been brought up a little bit, I know that there are issues that people have with RuPaul, not just the issues you have mentioned, but I know... RuPaul has not always said the best stuff when it comes to the trans community. And I know that's a big issue. I guess on this season, they have the first uh, trans participant. Is that correct? That's what I was just seeing in an article in 2021. They're going to have their first. Um, and I know that, the, uh, and I know. Peppermint wasn't yeah, even going first through. First trans on RuPaul. Yeah. Was she well, going through a transition at that time? Well, or was she still okay. thinking about it? This is where my where my infinite browser tab of brain comes in. Okay, so actually Peppermint was in transition. She was transitioning through like before she auditioned and when they accepted her in the show, except that uh, production told her that she had to be, she had to either like stop taking her medications or present as boy anytime she wasn't in drag. Oh, really? And, yeah. Wow. So that's why in a lot of her interviews, you see her in like t-shirts and like shorts and stuff or like male presenting things because production was like, hey, you gotta, you gotta be male presenting because, you know, Um, but also I think season two or three, one of the contestants did come out um, Mm -hmm. and I think it was after the fact. I think it would have been. It was, it was on the reunion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But on the show, um, actually in season five, one queen did come out and like while she was being um, critiqued on stage, they, the judges were like, "Hey, what's going on with you? Why are you so off? Why why aren't you up to par like you usually been?" And she like broke down and said, "Well, I'm a transgender woman, and I'm like in the process of transitioning, and, and this and that." I mean, there was that. Um, 
Yeah, I think the, f yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's... Well, what do you think? Yeah, so that, this though? upcoming season, I feel like is the producers finally talking to RuPaul and being like, we need to get on board with this or we're going to lose viewers. Yeah. Because that's kind yeah. of what's been happening these last recent seasons is that like a lot of these rumors have been coming out and stuff and people have just kind of stopped watching because they're like, ooh, I don't know if I want to support that. And yeah. And he just, he never really released a statement stating otherwise. Um, maybe recently he has, but not one that I can remember off the top of my head. But he's been very kind of like anti against it because he feels like if he gets, well, and I think this has to do with the 90s and a lot of the terror that happened back then, especially two trans individuals and drag queens. Um, there was a lot of violence. So, of course, like when you're in that, you... And I guess a comparative, not an exact comparative example is like when someone who's white assuming, um, you know, may come across like they're not that gender to protect themselves. And I feel like that's what RuPaul did a lot of the time. It doesn't make it acceptable, but I think he's so stuck in that mentality that he doesn't know how to move past it because he experienced trauma there. Um, but I think the producers are kind of forcing him to come to terms with what this is and that he needs to let this fear and just unknown go and allow this to be an actuality because drag queens and the trans community should, you know, be more involved together because they've experienced a lot of violence and things like that. And, you know, it's important to create that bridge so that they can feel a sense of unity. Yeah. And, and that goes to what I had mentioned before, where you do have that feeling of not being accepted by your own community and you know it goes you know there is a lot of transphobia within the lgbtqia plus community there just is i mean people forget the t a lot of times and that happens also with people who are bisexual i think that's gotten a tiny bit better but there's still that phobia within that community. And I think people just automatically assume that everybody within a community is going to be accepting and open and welcome everybody. And it's just not true. And I know that that, that was a big backlash against um, RuPaul was, you know, not seeing RuPaul as accepting. And I will say in a lot of its editing and the camera work, watching that um, in season two and i wish i should have written down who that was um when they came out um as being a trans woman watching rupaul's face during that i didn't see as much acceptance there and it could be just me just my my whole opinion could have been colored by stuff i've heard it could have been the way it was edited so i don't know this for a fact but it was just interesting to watch everyone else's reaction to that and once again this is a reality show they like to edit reality shows to heighten the drama so you know sometimes it could have been something that had nothing to do with that and it could have been a reaction shot from something else but it was just interesting to watch that so yeah yeah i just wanted to make sure to bring that up because i know that is an issue that some people have with rupaul um, and with the show so yeah and i and i think that's I think that's sad about uh, Peppermint. I really do think that's sad because that to me is asking is asking her to deny who she is for and and that just that really bothers me. That really bothers me. So yeah, it was a major reason why I stopped watching a lot of the recent stuff just because like I didn't like 
how it was addressed or the fact that like even when she came here like she was allowed to be vocal about it like and that was when that, yeah that, i think that was when polls came into office or something some gay community kind of like organization here was like you're allowed to say who you are like we're we're a safe place for that and she was able to come and do her speech and actually talk about all that and that was when she was in the finals at that point and we weren't sure if she was going to win or what was going to happen at that point and um it just it always bothered me that rupaul never really addressed it they just kind of like shrugged it off and they just kind of moved on from it so it made me personally better just because i'm like you know i i know people who are going through this and I, I want them to feel safe and I want them to know I'm a safe person. So I don't know if it's okay for me to engage with content that's not safe. So I'm not going to mm-hmm. until they actually address this issue. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's go back to some of the positive impacts um, on the local community here, since we are recording in Colorado and both of my panelists are also in Colorado. So I just want to talk about uh, the impact here um, on Denver, on the Denver uh, drag queen community here. Megan. I definitely think that um, a lot of the clubs here that are really popular are suddenly just, they're, they're, they're still kind of like dive bar-y, but they're not as like, I don't know, as run down because like a lot of these queens do come through and they come out and they come visit and they do shows and stuff. And it's just really nice. It's something different to do. And it's something I've always enjoyed. Like I've always enjoyed like drag bingo. I've always enjoyed going to just even like drag comedy shows or even just when they kind of do even the virtual stuff like during COVID now. They did a lot of that, and I feel like the community here has definitely started blossoming. Um, my So my mom works with this, this girl, and her twin brother is a drag queen, and she uh, she's stunning. I love her so much, and she's absolutely beautiful. And with that, like, I helped her a lot along the way because uh, before she officially kind of knew she wanted to do that, she didn't know how to do a lot of makeup, and because of what experience I had with Miss Fame, I helped her a lot to go into it and start like really like pushing forward and stuff. But, um, you know, it's something you kind of have to come into. And there are a lot of good drag queens here. uh, And a lot of them RuPaul started. um, But there's a lot of good drag families here that I feel like help encourage the community to like, have fun, dress up, wear wigs, like do all this fun stuff. It's okay. And I think tracks is one of the best places that I've ever been to for a drag show just because it's so much fun and open and people are not there judging anyone. They just really want to help support each other and these entertainers and ensure that they're like coming through strong. Um, I really like these uh, drive drag show things too, just because I feel like it's accompanying more people. Um, you can watch it from your car and like have fun at your car and not be like smushed in in like the Paramount Theater, for example. Um, I went to a show there at one point and I did like one of their VIP experiences and the Queens themselves are just always so loving and kind and they're very nice and you just, you need to ask them and be polite about things, don't be rude and they'll help you out. And I think one of my favorite all time, and this is even before she got RuPaul's Drag Race, uh, Drag Race was uh, Evie 
just because uh, she's always been very unique and I've always liked the look she's turned out. And I used to go and see her regularly at her little like town art performances. And it, it was always just so much joy that it brought me. And I'm glad that the community here has been very accepting of it because I know there was a point where they weren't and it caused a lot of heartache and stuff. But I think as a, a city, we definitely have moved further into accepting people who are in the drag community and allowing them to be freely themselves. Susie? Something that I really also kind of um, like about the like drag um draggers impact on the community here in Denver is how it kind of even if you're just watching these queens on on screen in a way it like encourages you to go out and seek like the like your local performers and that's kind of one of the reasons why I started going to like one of the kind of like <laughs> local like dive drag bars here in town <laughs> Like pre-COVID, I used to go a lot because every friend like so. This place is called Gladys the Nosy Neighbor. I was just going to ask you, where is this place? That you're yeah. <laughs> I think it's on. I think it's on Fifth and Santa Fe. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like right thereabouts. Um, also, on like the opposite corner of Gladys is this is this kind of like the predominantly like uh gay like the predominantly gay bar uh, trade, I think it's called or yeah, no. Cause I always confuse it with tracks. <laughs> so yeah, it's straight. Uh, but Gladys, the nosy neighbor, which is just like a fabulous name for your bar. Like how can you yes. not like it? <laughs> but um, pre COVID uh, every Friday, they had this, this like special showcase of performances called weirdo. And every Friday, they were a different theme. So they would have like a kink theme, an as seen on TV, a, like a, a bewitched theme sort of. And it's just, it and it was so good because it also in, like personally it introduced me to a lot of like the lesser, because you have like the big names in Denver, but for me it also introduced me to a lot of like the more lesser known drag performers here in Colorado. And it was just, it, like the performances like they gave were just amazing and just like that atmosphere in in the bar was just like was so great and the interactions you would have with the performers themselves or with the host and the host was my personal favorite queen um their name was Izzy Dead Motherfucker (laughs) (laughs) which is just amazing and I well unfortunately right now the bar is closed or they have done like a few church performances, uh, but I don't know if they'll come back in the f- if they'll open up in the future. I hope they do because oh my gosh, they were just my favorite. They were <laughs> amazing and just so much fun. And I definitely encourage that. Like if just go out and find a local bar where where your local drag performers are are at, and just go see a show. And it's just like seeing it on TV is one thing, but being in that like atmosphere and and uh, and among like your own kind of people and and seeing these performers is something truly truly amazing and i highly highly recommend it like this is something that you just have to do like it's so great um honorable mention to uh charlie's hideaway i believe it is uh i think they're still doing shows and stuff like that right now 
Um, they were doing uh, kind of like with mask mandate uh, during COVID, and I think they're still open. However, I haven't personally gone just because of my own personal preferences with COVID right now, but uh, I would definitely check them out. They've got some great cleans. <laughs> yeah, and I know um, for me, I was new also of Hamburger Mary's here. Um, yeah, so that was, that was another one. And I with Trax, you know, as I said on one of our recent episodes, Trax is the place. I mean, my mom used to go to Trax when Trax was first around, like in the 80s. That's where she used to go all the time with her um, friends. I've heard it's a lot different than it was back then. It's still a lot of fun. It still has one of the best 80s rooms because I like dancing to 80s music and it still has one of the best ones. <laughs> um. And I don't know if Charlie's, because there's a different Charlie's. So I didn't know if it was the same one, because there's one on Colfax. Is that the one you're. No, so uh, this one, is, and that's why it's kind of been weird, because uh, it, it's nicknamed Charlie's. It's not the same as that one, okay. but they're, uh, it, it, I, I call it for the queens in training, <laughs> just because they're newer queens and they don't really quite have like a home bar yet. Um, mm -hmm. But. Um, there was another one that I thought of earlier too, and I can't remember it now, but there's a lot of good drag families there. Uh, you could definitely Google it too, if you're ever visiting Denver. Um, my dream place to go to is definitely San Francisco though. I, I definitely want to go and see the drag scene. They're so desperately. <laughs> yeah, that's what, that's why it was so funny when I went to the, L, the one in LA, the bingo. And these people were like, this is not drag bingo. <laughs> This is so tame. I think they even said, this is like your grandmother's drag bingo. <laughs> yes. Yeah, um, yeah, sorry. I just oh, remember. No, go ahead. Also, um, Mile High Comics here in Colorado, mm -hmm. every yeah. first one Sunday or a couple Sundays of the month, they would have like a drag showcase. So local drag queens would perform. Kids who wanted to get into drag would perform. It was more of like a family-friendly drag performance, and I like. I also recommend that, like, especially if you want something to take your kids to, <laughs> to like introduce them to drag, like before you get into yeah. like a little bit more of the raunchy stuff. <laughs> like, definitely, you can take them there. Yeah, expose them to it, have a fun time. <laughs> yeah, and go back and listen to our episode from last year, from last Pride. We actually talked about Mile High Comics. Um, I want to talk about, because I know there were other shows that have been inspired by this one, and not just like All Stars or anything like that, but other shows in other countries that were inspired by Drag Race. So, Megan, are there any ones that you can think of or want to talk about? Or um, I really like the Espana <laughs> version of the show, um, but I haven't really gotten into too many of the others. I know RuPaul came out with like a Netflix show recently, which was interesting. I did like that one. I also love uh, Trixie and Katya's uh, show kind of thing. I, I, I can't ever do it right, so don't mind me. Um, <laughs> I also love listening to podcasts with the drag queens, uh, like Bianca Del Rio's podcast is really fun. Trixie's podcast is just amazing. I love her. Um, and I think Pandora Box actually has one now. Um, Katya <laughs> also has a podcast called with one of her friends called Whimsically Volatile. <laughs> Willem contestant on well Katja was a contestant from season seven. Alaska contestant on season five and two of season five of Drag Race, season two of All Stars, and Willem contestant of season four. They have also their own 
podcast called Race Chasers, I believe, which is mm-hmm. also kind of fun. It also gives a lot of like behind the scenes of what kind of goes on within the show and they bring on other queens and kind of interview them as well and get their perspective from the show, I believe, as well. Uh, there's another drag queen. Review with the Jew, Miss Cracker from season 10, I believe, as well. Uh, her show's on YouTube and it's a lot of fun as well. And she she went through like her season that she was on and she's reviewed past seasons and and talks about them. Uh, once One show that was kind of like inspired by Drag Race um, that I really enjoy is La Mas Draga. And it's this uh, also a drag competition, but it's it's mainly on YouTube, so you can watch the episodes there. I think they're up to episodes, not episode. <laughs> I think they're up to season three now. And mainly it's kind of drag queens from Mexico and different areas in Mexico. And they have it more um, geared towards Mexican pop culture. So actually one of their first episodes of their first season is actually them dressing up like uh, Mexican Hollywood starlets, which I think is really awesome and really cool because it's also like a bonding point for my mother and me since <laughs> she grew up watching a lot of those movies. And in turn, I watch them and it's it just, like, it's a fun bonding thing for us. And another show that I really, really love and I definitely recommend for anyone who's into like gory, Halloween-y, weirdo stuff <laughs> is... The Boulet Brothers Dragula, The Search for the Nips Drag Super Monster. And it features a lot of more of like the, what probably RuPaul would consider like the unconventional queens, like not like the pretty queens almost. And it just like that show is just so weird. <laughs> but it's just, it's so much fun. And it's like, I, that's a definite um, recommend. And also, they're also a lot more open in their acceptance of contestants. Um, actually, the winner of their third season of Dracula was a a drag king, which London Cider, which and like their performances are also really good. It's ah, it's just it's so good. Like watch, like I'd say watch Blue. Like Dracula over Drag Race. It's just like, <laughs> my opinion because I like it more. Like as a show, I like it more, but Drag Race is definitely like the more quotable one. <laughs> I'd have to say it's yeah. kind of like where I stand on the two. And Dracula is on Shutter. Everybody, <laughs> once again, going to prove that Shutter is one of the most diverse networks around there, streaming networks around there. So yeah. <laughs> They had a great uh, Chainsaw Awards were hosted on there. Fangoria's Chainsaw Awards were hosted on there during the pandemic. And you got to see how open and different and weird, which is beautiful, um, Shudder can be. So plug again for Shudder. I haven't plugged Shudder a lot lately. So (laughs) I'm falling behind on that. Okay. Well, I want to just wrap up just talking about, since we are, it's a fandom thing. I want to talk about the rabid fan base and you can find this in a lot of shows, especially I think it's even more prominent sometimes in reality television. So I want to talk about the rabid fan base. Megan, what are your thoughts on that? I don't really like telling people I watch RuPaul's Drag Race and it's just, I feel like, especially if 
I'm at certain places or around certain people. I just, I don't want, I don't want to experience this thing where like I'm secondhandly trying to pretend like I'm a drag queen by like taking their language or things like that. Things that are not mine and like trying to like uh, uh, make yeah. them alive, uh, kind of similar to like the girls who are obsessed with having like a gay best friend kind of mentality. I don't, I feel like there's a lot of those in this community and it bothers me just because it's like, this is more than just kind of like a play dress up thing. Like it, it, it can mm -hmm. be like that. Don't get me wrong. It can be fun. It can be all exciting, but like, this is a whole lifestyle for uh, these people. Like they, they put their whole livelihoods into this and I don't, I don't want to cheapen it because it is a whole experience. It's a lifestyle. It's a beautiful breathing thing. Uh, I think Trixie Mattel's uh, Moving Parts series on Netflix does a really great job talking about that. Even the hardships of having friendships within the drag community on there, um, especially if they're going through things or um, even if things are just not quite going as they should. Um, mm -hmm. I think Trixie Mattel's uh, Moving Parts does a great job really capturing all of that. Uh, I definitely feel like the fan base can be a little bit scary, though. Um, that's the reason I haven't gone to DragCon personally, the RuPaul one, just because I am terrified of the fans. And I feel like there's a lot of extremism of like, you're not a true fan if you don't know this line from this season and this episode. And it's like, we don't need this. <laughs> um, I just... I don't know. And it may just be because like every young generation clings onto one thing like very tightly. And then they're like, oh, this is like all I live for. Um, and I feel like for like millennials in my generation, it was like Jersey Shore. And I think that's why it was such a toxic fan base too, or like the Hills or any of those kind of things. Like it was like, ooh, I just, I didn't like to tell people I watched it, even though I watched them. It's just kind of like, ooh, yeah, you know, I, I like trash yeah. TV sometimes, um, but <laughs> um, RuPaul's Drag Race, uh, I don't know. I feel like they could do a better job kind of managing their fans a little bit and protecting the queens is all I'm saying. <laughs> Susie. Yeah, this is going to show my age, but I would, I'd equal like the, the RuPaul, the Drag Race fan page, fan base as like a mixture between like the Twilight fan base and the One Direction era fan base. Like both of them had some like rabidness and but if you combine them it's like rabbit squared. <laughs> it's, like, it's like oh my god could you no please just calm down. It's it is a thing where you kind of don't really want to tell people that you watch the show because then that also comes with a lot of like preconceived notions of like oh, you're going to act this way, or oh, like you're going to feel real strongly about this, and blah, blah, blah. And it's more... I'll admit, I get a little heated about some stuff, but I never, or at least I don't feel like I like I jumped that cliff. You're not attacking and, these and things like, regularly. <laughs> no, and like whenever I see that in like fandoms, like not even in drag race, just in like different ones where people go after actors or performers, and it's like, you guys, like chill. This is not the end all be all. We all got lives outside of this. They have lives outside of this. Just please let it be. Let us enjoy something. Cause this is this is why we can't have nice things, guys. Cause stuff like this. 
And one thing that I kind of really don't like about the Drag Race fan base is how hard they go after a queen that they don't like. Like one of the queens from season two, um, Tyra, she won that season. And like for years, they've been relentlessly like bullied and death threatened and just like messed with to the point where like now I think within recent years, they're like, listen, I'm not a drag performer anymore. That's not what I want. You will address me as my given name. I'm done with that role. Don't involve me with that world anymore. I'm, I don't want to talk about it. I want to know about it. Nothing. And it's stuff like that where, especially like the fan base is known to really go after queens of color. Like the, the white queens or the white passing queens will oftentimes be like given a pass for like certain behavior or for certain things that they've done, but always the queens of color that are held to like such a high standard. And if, they kind of don't meet that standard, then they're mercilessly attacked for it by the fan base. And also it's, I think it's also like somewhat of responsibility for the Queens. Like when they see their, their fans go after someone that's supposedly their friend, I feel like they should tell them like, Hey, you guys need to back off. Like, it's like, it's just a show. We're still friends. It's produced leave them alone or even if they don't like them just say hey just leave it it's a show like like don't go after them because no one deserves to be death threatened no one deserves to be like attacked mercilessly to in in any aspect to where they feel like they need to like leave or or like something like that's not good and that's not healthy and I feel like sometimes fans feel like they have this kind of like ownership over these queens. And it's like, dude, they're just, they're just here to do their job and perform and, and do a good show. And like, they're not your property. You, you kind of, mm-hmm. like, I don't know if I'm getting it across, right? No, no, it makes sense. No, I think that's a problem in a lot of fandoms. Yeah, I think that's, I think, I mean, that's kind of what we addressed a little bit when we talked about the toxic side of fandom um, and the toxic side of the relationship between celebrity and fans. And you really see it now with social media. And then you also see a lot of the infighting and when people blur that line between reality and a show and reality and people forget that these people are real human beings <laughs> and they're not just your, your play things for lack of a better word. They're not just, you don't control them. You don't control what they do with their bodies, with their life. And especially the death threat thing, because I know that happens with a lot of things and going after people. That's just, that's just wrong. I mean, it's one thing to be a really big fan of something, but when it comes to that, that's crossing a very, very dangerous line. And that gets almost into the stalker territory and stuff like that. So anyway, well, before we close out, is there anything else that you're dying to add, Megan? Um, I actually did want to add to that. Um, Honestly, like that community is very similar to a Star Wars community about certain things, especially Uh like characters or like certain queens. It's like if you even mention their name, like someone will look you up and down and like, oh, you're that kind of person. It's like, no, this is like, what are we doing here? Um, but otherwise, Susie's um, 
um, I guess my last big thing is, is like, uh, you know, drag queens, they do a lot for the community. Follow them on Twitter. They're really fun. Um, my fa favorite drag queen of all time that I forgot to mention earlier because um, I was having a moment, I guess, uh, Kim Chi. And she finally got representation from Chipotle. Like, there was a whole thing. You have to follow yes. it. It's on YouTube, okay? Um, it, it starts with this YouTube video that she does with Trixie Mattel on her channel, and you just follow it. You'll find them. It, it, it's all there. But they finally got a collaboration together with Chipotle, and honestly, I cried <laughs> just because yeah. it was so wholesome. And they finally gave Kim Chi what she wanted. <laughs> She was the one she who doesn't want to pay extra for Chipotle, and then the exactly that is exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> like all Kim she wanted was them to recognize that she always, always loved Chipotle. She will be the drag queen for she Chipotle. She dressed as a burrito once, guys. <laughs> That's awesome. She's the gonna most have to wholesome queen, and I will die for her. Oh my <laughs> I will die I'm for have Kim Chi. That is the only person I'm kind of toxic about is because Kim Chi is so wholesome, and I love her to pieces. And she has a great little cooking, like, Instagram, like, a side Instagram, and I really like going there and admiring the food and wishing I was that great of a chef. <laughs> awesome. And then, Susie, is there anything else you wanted to add really quickly? Yeah, no, I agree. I agree with Megan. Like, Kim, she, oh my God, her outfits always make me so hungry, but I'm also just really happy to look at them because a lot of the times they're food inspired and I'm like, like one of, like something that she says a lot is that a reason I think she says that why she's good at drag is because she has a Lego face. It's round and wide. And I say that a lot too because I'm like, it fits. Well, not necessarily for drag, but just for everything. I want to thank both of you very much because it's just, it's been fun just listening to both of you and learning and maybe we'll have to revisit this at some point. Maybe we'll have to revisit and like talk about um, Dragula. Maybe we'll have to do that at some point. Yes. I can't really add it to the Halloween schedule because I mean, Halloween is going to be insanity. <laughs> Gonna be lit. I'm so excited. <laughs> it's gonna for be next year. For yeah, next year, next. do a do a, like a halfway to Halloween, like in yes. June, July. That's a good idea. That's a good idea. Maybe we'll mention it when we mention um because we're doing an episode on queer horror in September. So uh -huh. maybe we'll mention it then. <laughs> So, so that'll be a lot of fun. But I just want to thank both of you. And I know, Megan, I'm sorry, we probably ran over your time when you're supposed to leave. I'm sorry. I hope we didn't. But um, sorry, I just looked at the time. Honestly, so it was such a delight. <laughs> so thank you so much. I know you are probably remaining anonymous, I'm assuming. Yes. <laughs> That's how I live. That's how I love to live my life. Especially with the job I have, I feel like it's important for me to stay anonymous. Um, you, just, you never know, honestly. And I'd rather just, I'd rather be safe about it. So it's nothing personal to any of you. But if you really want to reach me, you can reach me through Aaron. <laughs> if you need to get hold of Megan, contact me. Awesome. Thank you. And yes. Susie. Yeah, and then Aaron will send along a little carrier pigeon. With yes. So it's like truly discreet. 
terrier in the middle of the woods where I am living my dog witch life. Thank you. Yeah, that's awesome. (laughs) Susie, (laughs) where can they find you? Yeah, Um, you well, people can find me (laughs) on Twitter and Instagram with the same uh, name. So that's S-U-S-I-Q underscore SC for Twitter and then just add another underscore for Instagram. And you can also follow my dog's Instagram at uh, Benny underscore Pelucita. So that's B-E-N-N-I-E underscore P-E-L-S-U-I-T-A. Awesome. Thank you so much. And this is Erin. You can follow me on Twitter at EAprilBeauty. The E and the A and the B are capitalized. Be sure to like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing pod. On Twitter at fandom thing pod. No, it's in that one. On Instagram at it's a fandom thing pod. If you would like to be a part of our upcoming horror trivia event that's taking place 10, for 10 weeks, if you're a horror creator, or a horror podcast and you'd like to potentially be one of the co-hosts for one of those week, excuse me, weeks, please reach out to us. At, it's a fandom thing pod at gmail.com. If you want to be a contestant, you have to wait till August 1st and I'll have more info about contestants with rules and all that kind of jazz coming out probably early July. So just keep an eye out on all our social media everywhere. It'll be announced on one of our shows as well. And I'm sure there'll be a video on one of our live streams. And speaking of live streams, tomorrow we have a very special live stream in honor of this podcast. One of our favorite people is Josh Rubin, as everybody knows. And in honor of his new movie, Werewolves Within, we're actually going to be talking about his movie, Scare Me. So we're going to be doing a live stream. Carla's going to be on it and we're going to be spoiling the movie. So if you haven't watched this movie what have you been doing? But go watch it on Shutter, or you can rent it as well, um, or you can buy the DVD <laughs> or Blu-ray, excuse me, too. Um, and so we're going to be talking about that just to honor the release of Werewolves Within. So that should be a lot of fun. Um, and I, I, this is going to be my thing that I'm into for our live streams, since that's before this will air before this one. But as you heard in my live stream. I really am a fan of his new movie, and I am telling you, Josh Rubin is going to be huge, So, and he deserves it because he is a very, very good guy, so he deserves it, so come and join us tomorrow night to celebrate that movie. Once again, you'll want to watch it beforehand because we're going to spoil it, so hey, so that'll be a lot of fun, and I want to close out, rather than saying, remember, it's a fandom thing, I'll still do our other closeout part with even with issues with RuPaul. I love what RuPaul says at the end of every episode. So we're going to close out with that. (laughs) Everybody got excited. (laughs) So here it is. If you can't love yourself, how the hell are you going to love anybody else? Can I get an amen? Amen. (laughs) Thank you so much. Okay, remember, Black Lives Matter and stop Asian hate. Thank you again for listening to It's a Fandom Thing. Be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and follow us on all your favorite podcast platforms. 
Our logo was designed by Brooke Belly with cover art by Carla Timmies. Additional research was done by Megan Archuleta. Our Instagram and Facebook content producer and creator is Erin Amos. And our producer is Lila Tafola. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe. And remember, keep that fandom spirit alive. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.